Praise the Lord, everyone. How many love Sunday morning? I love Sunday mornings at First Church. Always something going on. And that's good. That's a good thing that there's always something going on. I'm glad to be a part of a church that is involved. Amen. Usually when I'm doing this, I tend to focus on what the children are learning, and I kind of um, change it up a little bit. Um, this Sunday, in the back, they are learning about the importance of baptism in Jesus' name. How many is thankful for baptism? I'm thankful for baptism. I'm thankful for the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. I'm thankful for the revelation of baptism in his name, in the name of Jesus. And that's what they're learning about in the back, and that's vital and that's important, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for a church that preaches that. I'm thankful for a church that still preaches about baptism in Jesus' name, the oneness of God. But today, this verse came to my mind, and perhaps it's appropriate in a way that it hasn't in quite a while. That is John chapter 16, verse number 33. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, to his apostles, after the Last Supper. This is between the Supper and Gethsemane. He is talking to them, and there's many things, many passages where he says, you know, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And a lot of encouraging things. And in chapter 16, verse 33 of John, these are the last words he speaks to his disciples prior to the Passion. This is the last thing he leaves them with prior to his arrest, to his trial, to his crucifixion. These are his last words. He says, These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I've read this passage many times in my life. I've read it and I know what it means. It means that life is not a picnic. Or perhaps it is like a picnic because, anybody ever been on a picnic before? There's wind, there's ants, there's bugs, there's other people that come up, what you eating? Can I have some? So maybe life is like a picnic in those regards, but life is... Not always easy. I understand that that's the gist of it. And I began to wonder 
about that phrase. It says, in the world ye shall have tribulation. And I know that that means in the world you're going to have trouble. In the world everything's not going to go your way. In the world everything's not going to go hunky-dory. But I began to question about the word that's translated as tribulation in this verse. And so I looked it up. And the word that Jesus uses here in John 16 when he says, In this world you will have tribulation is the same Greek word that is translated in the book of Matthew where Jesus is talking about the end time and he says that in those days there shall be great tribulation. It's the same Greek word that we get our concept of the great tribulation. He says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. And that Greek word literally means to press down, to put pressure on. He could have said, in this world, you are going to have great pressure. Insurmountable, it would seem, pressure. You're going to have trouble like you've not even thought about, is really what he's saying here. And in our world, that's pretty apt description of what our world is today. If you have picked up a newspaper, if you have a cell phone, if you've watched any kind of news in the past little while, you will know that that is our world in a nutshell. Our world is in trouble. We live in a world that has lost its mind and is enjoying the journey the entire way. We live in a world in which up is down, down is up, right's wrong, wrong's right, left's right, right's left. Backwards is forwards, forwards is backwards. It's been turned 180 degrees and sideways at the same time. We live in a troubled world. We live in a world that is troubled on every side. We live in a world that is morally bankrupt. When I was growing up, I thought that the worst thing that we could possibly face was... We had rappers and we had musicians that they had to stick a sticker on the cover and warn the parents, you know, there's explicit lyrics in this song. You know, when they play it on the radio, they've got to bleep out every other word because it's horrible. But we live in a world that is morally bankrupt. What once was wrong is now right. And you better say it's right, because if you don't say it's right, then you're wrong. And that's the world that we live in. We have gone, we live in a world where I was told very recently that there is a school district here in Missouri that quite possibly is facing a lawsuit. And the reason they're facing a lawsuit is because of the fact that this school district is not providing boxes of kitty litter in the bathrooms because they have students who identify as cat. And they may be facing a pending lawsuit because kids think they're cats 
and you better accept it. That's the world that we live in. A morally bankrupt, insane world. And like I said, it's not even a matter of, okay, you do you and you're fine. You, you better accept it. Or the world will pressure you and say, you're joining our side. We live in a world where trouble lies in the financial markets. We live in a world, in a country where inflation is out of control. Where everything, prices are going up. Where it hasn't really happened here yet. But I do know that there are cities, I believe, on the West Coast, there are actually gas stations that they shut down for a couple of days and reopened. And the reason they'd shut down was they had to change out the digits in the gas pump because it didn't go high enough. There weren't enough digits in it, so they had to change it because they're expecting $10 a gallon gasoline before the halfway point of the summer. Financially, our world is coming off the rails. Trouble is happening. It's a world in which financially our country and the global community is going bankrupt financially. They're spending money left and right. And prices are going up because of it. Shortages are happening. We haven't seen it in Kennett yet, but there are places where there are some items you just can't get. Baby formula you can't get. Meat you can't get. Vegetables you can't get. Milk is running out in some places. It's a world of trouble. And it's a world that seems to be readily, speedily headed toward a destination that doesn't know where it's going. We've come off COVID. We've come off the coronavirus. And now the latest news is now we've got something else to worry about. And it's taking over the world. And it's going to be bad. And we're, we're going to have to perhaps do the very same thing that we were forced to do two years ago because this is the next thing that's in the world you're going to have tribulation in the world you're going to have trouble like you've never seen in this world we are going to face trouble like never before I was talking I've, I've talked for several years with people one of the biggest lies that we've ever fallen for, and we probably told ourselves, is the fact that we have convinced ourselves that since we live in the United States of America, there's no possible way that the church could face any kind of persecution unless it's the Great Tribulation. There's no possible way our government could come against us unless it's literally the end time. But we are rapidly seeing a culture that doesn't like us. And it doesn't like who you stand for. And it will try everything in its power to shut us down. And if I went on and on and on, we'd just get depressed. 
Because there's no good news. There's nothing good. Because for every one piece of good news there is, there's ten pieces that's bad. But Jesus didn't leave his disciples and tell them, in this world you're going to have tribulation. In this world you're going to have pressure applied to you in intense ways. He didn't say, in this world it's all going to be doom and gloom and bad. He left them by saying, be of good cheer. Cheer up. For I have overcome the world. He's telling them this prior to his death, burial, and resurrection. He's telling them this prior to the cross. He's telling them this before he gets one strike on his back. He's giving them a heads up. He's saying, by the way, I have overcome the world. I am the champion of the world. I have overpowered the world. Because in the midst of doom and gloom and despair and negativity, we still serve a God that the world can't touch. We still serve a God who is more powerful than the world. There is no politician. There's no Twitter feed. There's no president. There's no weapon. There's no ideology. There's no book that can overpower our God. There is no programmer in this world who can overcome our God. There is no financial crisis bigger than our God. The dollar may be the reserve currency of this world, but our God is bigger than the almighty dollar. Our world may run on oil, but we serve a God that's bigger than oil. We may be going through tough times, but we have a God who was not taken by surprise by any of it. We may be going through tribulation, but he said, I'm bigger than the world. I'm tougher than the world. Anybody ever face a bully in school? You face a bully in school and they're always bigger than you. Or at least they're as big as you. But usually their mouth's a lot bigger. And I learned something when I was in school. I learned that you can have a bully that they just... They, they, their mouth runs 90 to nothing. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that they were inside the school, you know, they'd have to put sunscreen on their tongue because their mouth's open so much. But that's all they do. But I've learned that when you're dealing with a bully... The best answer for a bully is for you to be friends with the biggest kid in school. Because if you're best friends with the biggest kid in school, the bullies don't really bother you much. Because they have to answer to the bully and they're, you know, they're kind of scared of that bigger kid. You know, they don't mind, you know, being bigger than you, but they don't want to face somebody bigger than them. The world that we live in, that's kind of what they are. The world likes to run its mouth. 
the enemy, he can talk a good game because that's pretty much all that he can do. He can talk. But we serve a God that's much bigger than the bully. We serve a God who can tell us from the beginning. He says, I've overcome the world. Cheer up. Look up. Be happy. I've already overcome everything the world can throw at you. I've already seen it happen. And I've already got the answer for it. So what it's up to us is to simply do what he said. And that is to cheer up. Oh, but it's, it's bad. You don't know what my financial situation looks like. You don't know what news my family's gotten from the medical community. You don't know what my kids are facing on whatever the latest social media craze is or what they're facing in school. You don't know what that's like. Well, perhaps I don't know exactly what it's like. But I do know, he said, I've already overcome the world. And if we will rely on him, that means we also can overcome the world. When I was in high school, I was privileged to read a book called Let Us Pray. And it's about 68 pages, very thin book by a Chinese pastor by the name of Watchman Nee, and he goes over the principles of praying. Why do we pray? He goes over the principles of praying thrice, and there's several chapters, and the very last chapter I always wondered about because the very last chapter is simply called The Wearing Out Tactics of Satan. And I'm thinking, that's got nothing to do with prayer. Why in the world is the last chapter? You know, he's talking about, you know, pray without ceasing praying thrice and never giving up. At the end of it, he says, the wearing out tactics of Satan. And this Chinese pastor said, really the only weapon the devil has against us is to wear us down. He usually doesn't come at us full force. It's a little at a time. And he wears at us our health today a little bit and at our finances a little bit tomorrow and then our families a little bit. He, it's just a constant, constant wearing away. And the constant wearing away, if it is not checked, can cause great damage. Just a little stream of water just dripping down can wear solid rock out. Over time, just a continuous dripping. And that's what we have to be leery of. That's what we got to be on watch for is the fact that the devil just wants to wear us out. So that the tribulation and the trouble of this world will cause us to say, okay, I give up. I'm tired. But Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Through him. We will have peace. He said, I've spoken these things to you. I've told you what's going to happen because in me, you'll have peace. In him, we can find the peace and the strength to carry on. In the world, we're going to have trouble and tribulation. In the world, we're going to have negativity. In the world, we're going to have pressure to agree. But he said... Be of good cheer.
because I've overcome the world. If we will simply, through him, find the strength to simply hold fast, because that's all we have to do. Hold fast and trust in him. He's overcome the world. And if we will let him, through his strength, so can we as well. The worse it gets out there, the better he looks in here. I'm thankful that I serve a God that has overcome. There's nothing that we will face or have faced that he hasn't given us already the ability to conquer because he conquered it all for us. I'm grateful for that. What a blessing that we have in having a Savior that can save. I'm thankful. I'm grateful for each of you that are here. We're going to take a little break and then we're going to begin our morning worship service in just a few moments. Thank you for being here and let's believe for a great time in our morning worship service. God bless you.